The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features ensure that you can take on any adventure. What kind of features? Well, how about the available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud? Or the standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together? How about available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone? We're always trying to think about those great spring and summer getaways, but with a car like the Hyundai Santa Fe, anywhere can be your next adventure. To learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe, go to HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. To the house, This is unbelievable. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Danny Cannell, Chip Patterson, Barton Simmons, and Tom Fernelli. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Bud Elliott. I'm Chip Patterson. Uh, National Signing Day less than a week away. And Bud, this is a, a year in which we knew that the entire recruiting process was going to be unlike anything else. You know, the official visits were uh, basically entirely scrapped. We did have some unofficial visits and some impermissible visits along the way uh, for a few of the coaches at some of the top programs. Uh, but, you know, in, in the course of this, we want to make sure that we set the table for National Signing Day, let the listeners know what they're keeping an eye on, the teams to know, some of the big picture storylines. And, um, you know, I, I think that there's always going to be uh, in this early signing period, an inflation of interest in whoever's left on the table because of scarcity, right? Just because, you know, those four stars that are left are the highest ranked available players. As you're looking across the the entire landscape based on, you know, what, what are the splits looking like for the early signing period uh, and who we're still waiting on to, to sign coming up next Wednesday on National Signing Day. Of course, uh, keep it locked to 24-7 Sports for all of your signing day coverage, CBS Sports HQ as well uh, throughout the day on Wednesday. But, uh, you know, have you been surprised at all? What do the splits look like and, and sort of what's been your reaction? So, Chip, a lot of great points there, and I'm really excited about signing day. Uh, I would say that I have, I, if you had told me in September that all but 30 of the top 247, which is the top 247 players in the country for 24-7 sports, if you told me that all but 30 of them had signed in the early signing period, I would have said you were crazy. 217 out of 247. They signed. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Now, I would have, I, I, at the time, people we were speaking with uh, thought that some kids would hold off, especially guys who didn't, you know, were, were not spring enrollees, would hold off because they thought visits would open up. And thus, you'd actually be able to go to see some campuses and meet with some coaches in person because none of that was able to happen this year. A lot of players are signing with schools that they've never visited or certainly with coaches that they've never met in person. They've never been to a practice to see how that works, to see what the vibe is on the field, locker room, or campus. Uh, but 
with the dead period being extended as it was, you had this element where these kids realized I'm not going to be able to visit in January or February either. So I might as well just go ahead and lock my spot up. And, uh, and so they did. So I guess once it became clear to me that the dead period was going to be extended, I, I no longer really thought that, that we were going to have a big national signing day. I thought early signing period would be pretty big. And, and indeed it, it, it was. The uh, often, you know, we, we go into national sign days and recruiting periods with, uh, you know, like the rich getting richer type mentality. And there's going to be no surprise that um, as, as we start to talk about the race for the number one class, Alabama currently holding that spot right now, Ohio State, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, pretty much the only uh, team that could probably catch Alabama. And if so, that would take... Um, a couple mini levels of decisions for the Buckeyes to be able to eclipse the tide for the number one spot. So Alabama and Ohio state battling for the number one, like that's nothing unusual. Were there any, um, like, were there any teams that were unusual, like with things being different? Because I, I put myself in the mentality of a head coach and a coaching staff that now has to do all this virtually. And I wasn't sure if that would open up the chance of being able to see someone who is not a, a traditional recruiting power or maybe uh, a coaching staff that had not been recruiting at a certain level, really being able to level up. Would it also mean that, you know, there was some shortcomings along the way because it's just different communication when you're having to do pretty much everything virtually and you're having to really rely even not only with the recruiting process, but with the evaluation process as well. You're going to be a little bit handicapped in that really trying to count on your relationships with some of these high school coaches and some of the scouts that are locally around the prospects that you're trying to entice. Like what's the, were, were there any, is it, is it, has it been pretty much true to form from that matter from the top on down where, you know, your Alabama, your Ohio States, your Georgias, your Clemson's, those, those teams and those programs that would have been there in a year where everything was normal are, are still pretty much recruiting at that same clip. I would say for the most part, there, there were some, some many surprises. Um, Alabama is, it's extremely possible that Alabama signs the, the highest rated recruiting class ever, ever. eclipsing, eclipsing that 2010 Florida class, which was the, the, the last major urban Meyer class for the Gators. So that if you told me, Hey, we're going to have the highest rated recruiting class ever. Yeah. I mean, that, that would be, that would surprise me a little bit. Um, I would say LSU with the disaster of the season that they had and the turnover that they've had with the coaching staff, them still signing a top four, top five class, maybe a little bit of a surprise. I, I think I would have thought maybe more in that kind of five, you know six to ten range, but here you know as, as we record this, they sit there at at number four. Is it mostly and, and yes, Louisiana? Like are, are they? I mean, they're just doing it from the same old spots. Yeah, for the most part, they, they focus a lot on, on Louisiana this year. Uh, and next year, I think they're going to focus even more uh, on Louisiana. And that, that is a direct reaction, in my opinion, to uh, A, the state being very talented, uh, and B, last year they had some out-of-state kids who they thought they had in the bag, and ultimately those guys flipped on signing, including a really good receiver uh, who, uh, who flipped to Maryland there on signing day. Uh, two West Coast schools who did really well, and I – think it's worth pointing out because of the fact that they didn't play until very late in the year and didn't have a lot of buzz. Uh, Oregon landing its highest rated class ever, number six under Mario Cristobal, including 18 four-star commitments per the 24-7 sports composite. And then USC at number eight with a, a, a strong bounce back. I mean, if you, if you recall, 
just two years ago, a, a terrible recruiting class by them rated, I think, 67th in the country. So, so that those are nice. Uh, I don't see total surprises, but kind of huh, a little bit better than I thought they were going to do. Um, and in a couple teams, I think if you look at it on the downside, uh, well, by the way, Michigan still uh, still had a 13 or still had a 13th rated class. Um, That's about standard, so, right? That's pretty good. Yeah, well, but right, we, 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 the, most of these kids signed during all the Jim Harbaugh uh, questions. Donovan so. Edwards, that was a that, that was a big one. It felt like I, just for because he was an in-state kid to get a good running back to get somebody who's going to come in and be able to be a, a part of the offense. I remember at the time him signing on a snowy field outside. It looked cold as hell, but Donovan Edwards was excited that he was going to be able to go suit up for Big Blue. And uh, and I did see it was so funny. You pulled out that stat to the top uh, two four seven, the top two hundred forty seven players in the rankings. I I was clicking. I, I kept I kept clicking more. You know, I got through like 150. I didn't see many that were uncommitted, but I felt like I saw some 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 M's. There was there were some M's out up there in the in the top 150. Oh, Chip, that is uh, that is that's not uncommitted. That's unsigned. We have a lot of other kids who are committed and they just haven't signed yet. I mean, the act the number of uncommitted uh, is is pretty low. So uh, we do have some kids. If you want to run that down real fast, uh, sorry, I was answering a uh, a text from Trey Scott, our uh, our editor of 24/7 Sports. Um, so I'll butcher this name every single time. Oh yeah, I've, let's, I've, let's start at the top. First, wire to wire number one prospect since Robert Kim Dichi, JT Dewey Malowal. Yeah. So. Just a freaky, freaky good player out of the state of Washington. We've known about him for a long time, about 6'5", 275-ish. He, the thing is, what is he? Is he a, is he a jumbo pass-catching tight end, which you would think at that size, no way. Is he a strong side defensive end, which, which is where we have him listed? Is he going to grow into a defensive tackle? I, I think that's, that's also possible. The thing is, you don't see guys this size go and legitimately perform in basketball on the actual football field in pads, and then also go out there. I've seen this guy catch passes in seven-on-seven and move around with with rare agility, and that's, of course, why we have him as our number one player on 24-7 sports. Now, is he as good as like a Jadavion Clowney who we've had as the number one player before as, as a defensive end? I, I don't think so. And we don't have him rated over a, a 100, but uh, still a, a big time impact player. This was, was an interesting battle. You know, was it going to be Washington, Bama, Ohio State? You know, could USC do, do some damage like they often do on the West Coast? Ultimately here, I think his relationship with other prospects from the state of Washington uh, going to Ohio State and his relationship with, with the coaches there at Ohio State, will lead him uh, to the Buckeyes, which is just cap an awesome class for Ryan Day. Damn. Oh, what is it? All right, so who else is in that? There are other players from the state of Washington that really make up this strong Ohio State recruiting class, which is incredible because we're going to end up looking at it, if especially if this happens, where Alabama having potentially the highest ranked or highest rated recruiting class of all time gets a headline with Ohio State having one that could have been number one potentially in other years. So uh, Emeka Egbuka actually is our number one number one rated receiver in the country. He. he he knows JT very well, and they're they're pretty tight. In last year's class, they actually signed uh, G. Scott Jr., who is also from the same area, and they've played, I believe, on the same seven-on team. They know each other 
G. Scott's thriving there at Ohio State. So in absence of being able to to visit and meet mm. with coaches in person, having somebody who's on the inside, certainly a benefit for, for JT to get information about the Buckeyes. Uh, and look, let's also, it's not from Washington, but Ohio State's next quarterback seems likely to be C.J. Stroud, who's from Cali. And, and so there's there's a little bit of a West Coast flair on this team, which they've also signed dudes from Zona and more guys from California. And I just feel like if you're going into that locker room, it, it helps to have more more West Coast guys to, to make you feel at home. A hundred percent. Earlier this week, 24-7 had a, had a great rollout for uh, finalizing the five stars. Because remember, five star, we are projecting you to be a first round NFL draft pick. That means there's only going to be 32 of them. I love the specificity and I love the, the exclusiveness of it. One player who fascinates me because of uh, two things. Number one, the way that he has risen in the rankings. And then number two, he falls into this uh, stretch where because of, and I know there's going to be several other players here, but Heisman Trophy winner Devonta Smith was rated higher by 24-7 than it was by the rest of the industry. And there are a few other players that have also fallen in that path of uh, 24-7's been a little bit higher on him than what their composite rating is. So uh, tell me about safety Terion Arnold. Uh, he is, because... The, of the 32 that were revealed on Wednesday, uh, 30 of them are unsigned. We just mentioned JT Tui Molau. Uh, by the way, JT could take this past signing day. Oh, so we, okay. we, we might have continued drama there. Uh, so Terion Arnold uh, recently upgraded to a five-star. He's outside the top 100 in the composite, but right there at like number, what, 30, 32, somewhere around there uh, in the updated list. I mean, but we're talking uh, Florida, Alabama, Georgia, isn't he from the Tallahassee area? Yes. Um, yep. So, have have you gotten a chance to to see him, or or what are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I was actually able to see Arnold uh, pre shutdown. So you're looking at a guy, good length, mm-hmm. really explosive, nice instincts. I think he has the ability to probably play corner or safety depending on the defense. I mean, six foot, one eighty as of last measurement. Probably a little bit bigger now. Good basketball player. Um, I believe he actually thinks he's going to play basketball in college. We'll see on that. Um, um, a lot, lot of guys think that. Not a lot of guys actually do it. Uh, but you're looking at a Florida, Bama, maybe a little Georgia battle in here. Most people think Florida right now, but with the way that Alabama has been recruiting this year, uh, you're you're not real bright if you're just totally counting out the tide. Uh, that He's one of the final players that I think Alabama would actually take in their class in terms of talent and actually having need and fit and room in terms of, of numbers. Um, a really nice player for us and, and somebody that I, I think we're very comfortable uh, as, as a company having above the composite, which I know we just talked Ohio State. Um, we are way higher on Travion Henderson than the rest of the composite as well, the, the running back going to the Buckeyes. And you know, we were chatting this morning as a group, and it's was like, man, I, I really would be comfortable going even higher with him. Although just, just that he's... I think we said this on a prior cover three show. Henderson, if he was at Ohio State right now, would have been the really wouldn't shock me if he had started in the net, in the natty. Mm-hmm. That's right. I remember you saying that. Um, who, as as we start to to work our way down that list, uh, I mean, you've you got the list. The ones that stood out to me: uh, L.J. Johnson, Rajon Davis, uh, Taiwan Malone, Brian Thomas, Destin Hill, Avante Dickerson. I think that was about as as far deep as I got. Uh, any. 
any direction, any one of those players, um, take it, take it wherever we, way you want in terms of uh, who, who you're really excited about to see what they end up doing and, and what it'll mean for uh, the, the particular program they choose. Sure. So I'll, I'll go ahead and hit on three of those. Uh, Rajon Davis is is a kid who was committed to uh, to LSU for a while and in, in, ends up uh, not going to sign with LSU. I think he's a really nice prospect. He, he, he's a dude. He's kind of a run and hit linebacker, but we've also seen him with his cover ability uh, in seven on seven. Now that was as, as, a, as a junior. Obviously, the state of California has not played any football to date this year, except for some of these little uh, unauthorized leagues that are popping up. I don't know if you've seen this or not, but they've got these kind of just unofficial games that where the rosters kind of resemble some of these high school teams. And <laughs> I uh, like that. Cool. Some, uh, some like Tennessee Titans uh, working out at uh, Clark Lee and Barton Simmons, alma mater, Montgomery Bell Academy kind of stuff. Like Basically. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I think he's going to pick USC. That would be a great, great pickup for the Trojans. Now, Tywo Malone, big time defensive tackle out of the state of New Jersey, A&M, Old Miss, Rutgers, Florida state, Used to have Tennessee in there. I, I think it's probably safe to cross Tennessee off the list, just given you know what's going down there. He's also a hell of a baseball player, and probably an instant impact first base bat at any of those programs. And, and if you notice, all three of those programs that that I mentioned, with the exception of Rutgers, that they and Rutgers is the hometown school here. Um, they all have really good baseball programs. Mm-hmm. So he's a guy that is being dual recruited to play baseball and football. Of course, for the readers who or listeners, not readers. Um, who don't know, you have to use the scholarship in football so that you you, know, you can't just hide football guys in other sports and use those scholarships up. He, he visited all three of those schools recently. A lot of people think Ole Miss has the upper hand here, but he's not really tipping his hand very much. And that, that that's going to be a fascinating one to watch to see where he does go. He's bringing his parents on unofficial visits and checking them out and doing his research. How many defensive tackles are also playing baseball? Is that, am, am I just being like way too basic with that thought, with not expanding my mind to, to believe that, uh, I don't think that, that that happens a lot. So most of them grow out of it, right? Uh, there was a kid named Jacoby McDaniel. You remember him? Not off the um, top of my head. He was a D tackle at Florida State in like 2010 to 2013. He was, a, he was a top 10 kid nationally recruiting wise, or at least at, for a while he was. Uh, now, Tim Smith is a guy who gets, uh-huh. gets some run for Alabama. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do not think he played baseball as a senior, but I do, you know, I got, I got a chuckle out of, out of his coach at the time telling me he was their left fielder. I was like, him? Tim Smith's like 330. Yeah. Guys, guys left. I mean, that's, <laughs> but at some point he was a, a baseball guy, which probably helps to explain that the hand eye coordination that he seems to have with, with, you know, using his hands. It's, it's uncommon. Most of these guys outgrow the position. Uh, Malone, just pull up some of Malone's videos him hitting the baseball that sound is it's different he's uh, got some bat speed nice uh and you, who was the third one that you wanted to tackle the, the third one i, w- I want to bring up is is a, a linebacker from georgia named trevin wallace who, one of the better linebackers in in the country uh jeff halfley who i know this pod thinks very highly of did a nice job scouted them out they had him committed for a long time and then the big boys came calling and it's just a good example of how you have to try to figure out what the right fit is. You know, if, if you find this kid in April and you think he might be like a top 200 player, can you really hold on to him by, by the time signing day comes around? Uh, Auburn's offered Kentucky, uh, Florida State, several other schools. So we'll see. We'll see what happens there. Nice scouting job by, by the Eagles, but they won't be able to hold on to him. And, and we'll see what he does come signing day. 
Sorry, Jeff. You ain't at Ohio State anymore. It's not exactly the uh, the same pitch. Uh, the biggest sporting spectacle of the year is nearly upon us. We know everyone loves making their picks, no matter if you're a diehard fan or just tuning in for the big game. So we think you'll also love this opportunity. Enter the CBS Sports Football Props game for your chance to win the $1 million jackpot. That's right, $1 million if you can correctly answer all of the questions and a guaranteed $50,000 to the winner. And you can win all that money without risking anything. Football props is free to play. Just visit cbsports.com slash props or download the CBS Sports app to enter. Once again, that is cbsports.com slash props or download the CBS Sports app to enter. So uh, a little thing on, on that props idea. Mm-hmm. Everybody who casually, like all these Joe Paycheck folks who casually bet the Super Bowl, they want to see action. They want to see things happen. So they're going to bet yes on props. Will there be overtime? Will there be this? Will there be that? And they're going to bet overs on all of the Travis Kelsey you know, receiving yards, Tyreek Hill rushing yards, things like that. There's so much public money in, in the Super Bowl that these numbers actually do tend to get inflated some. You're probably not going to get rich just doing this. But if you want to just be an antagonist and maybe make a little bit of coin, generally betting the nose and the unders is a much smarter play unless you're getting in very early. So be sure to check William Hill uh, instantly to see those numbers right when they come out and get maximum value if you do want to go over. Well, and in the uh, in the contest, you're playing against the pool. And so it is the like zig then zag uh, contrarian play where you got to assume that uh, you could get yourself that 50K going in there and uh, and picking against the crew, the group, especially if you think it's going to play out like that. Also, uh, for that, just if you think about this, if you're going to win this pool, you need to kind of, you need to have a, a correct game script, right? So you, your picks need to make sense and correlate with each other. You probably can't take Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, Sammy Watkins, and Clyde Edwards-Alaire if he's playing all over. There's only so many yards to go around. So you need to have the right combination of yeses and nos that gets you to, I don't know, Pat Mahomes, 400 passing yards, right? Like you can't just go all yes or all no if you're trying to thread the needle and actually win the competition. If you think that, uh, yeah, if you think that Patrick Mahomes passing yards are going to be up, then you can't also believe that they're going to go with Clyde Edwards, he rushing yards. Like they right. got, yeah, one's got to work with the other without a doubt. Coming up on the other side of the different programs that have gone through some coaching changes, What does it look like for some of those going into National Signing Day, plus teams to watch on that decision day and more next? The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You mentioned Tennessee as a one that if they were in the mix for a few of the remaining, uh, again, 30 of 247 players, uh, uncommitted, unsigned, ooh, unsigned uh, at this point right now. You know what, Tennessee, uh, earlier in the week, we got Josh Heupel announced as the new head coach. Very tough for me to imagine that he's going to be doing much more than trying to solidify what he's already gotten. Uh, what What's your sense of some of these programs that have undergone coaching changes, especially the ones, I mean, Texas included, uh, that have all happened after the early signing day? Sure. So uh, Tennessee, I guess we'll start there. They currently sit at 15th in our team rankings based on the 24-7 sports composite. Uh, they have nine four-star commitments. However, their best player, Dylan Brooks, has already requested to be released from his letter of intent because they fired Jeremy Pruitt after uh, after Brooks signed, and he is not enrolled. So uh, I, I, most likely, I think he would get that release. I think it should be automatic, personally. Like, mm-hmm. if your head coach gets fired before you enroll, uh, that just kind of a little uh, crappy bait-and-switch bait and job there by the Vols. Uh, but they're not the only program to do that. Some good news, though, for Tennessee uh, is that Caden Salter uh, tweeted uh, positive things uh, in relation to the Josh Heupel hire, and he is their, um, well, I guess if you take Brooks out of the class, he's their third best player in their class, a a prospect we like a lot at 24-7 sports, a a top 150 quarterback recruit. So, I mean, quarterback's going to love to see Josh Heupel. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like that that, that's a really fun offense to to play in, and you're going to get a whole lot of reps. We we actually have him uh, on our on our top 247, he's the number 47 player in the country. So we are very high on Salter, an athletic, productive, accurate player. Um, so that'll be that'll be interesting to see. How Tennessee finishes the class, I, I don't expect Tennessee to, to load up on a whole lot more players come Wednesday. Uh, Texas is actually uh, 17th in, in our, our, our ratings. Um, they're looking pretty good, I would say. They're, 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 Steve Sarkeesian has assembled a, a good staff. As far as I know, nobody has asked out of their class, probably because Sarkeesian just had an awesome you know, national championship game. Sure. And uh, they're, they're, look, they're looking pretty good. I, I, they, they could maybe add a few guys come signing day if they want. I'll also work the transfer portal. They've already taken um, – or should be not taken, but they've already had uh, four transfers here, one from Notre Dame, one from LSU, a linebacker, and then uh, a receiver and a corner. So uh, – that's actually something we should probably talk about, Chip, is if you look at the recruiting rankings this year, there's some weirdness going on. Huh. And I think it's really important to look at not only your overall score on the you know, 24-7 team recruiting rankings, but also the, you know, the average player rating. Because there are some of these schools that left open a ton of spots for transfers. For instance, Oklahoma is rated 10th in the 247 Sports Composite. Now, they have an average player rating of 93. That's above Notre Dame, who's at ninth. That's above USC. That's above A&M, above Oregon, above LSU, who's even at, at, at number four. So how, how does that happen? Well, Oklahoma only signed 16 players. Oklahoma, in theory, has room for about nine transfers. They've already taken three. Mm-hmm. They're rumored to be involved with, with, with other guys. Um, this is something that we're seeing quite a bit this year. Now, if you're Alabama and you have the chance to take you know, 25 of the best 50 players in the country 
from the high school ranks. You just go ahead and do it. But for these other schools that are sort of in that kind of very good to, to decent recruiting range, some of them are holding back quite a few spots. North Carolina, you know, your, your, your school, uh, they only signed 18. Penn State only signed 15. Florida State, where I went, only signed 16. They've already taken eight transfers. Now, I don't know if people realize this at home, but transfers count against your cap of 25. Right. You only get 25 new players each year. That's high schoolers plus transfers combined. It's not high schoolers and then transfers on top of that in excess of the 25. So you're having to be really smart with this. And I wrote a piece for 24-7 Sports over the summer and basically said, I, I talked to some guys and the line that, that stuck with me, they said, why would I make a four-year mistake on a kid I've never seen and never worked out when I could take a, a, a two-year player or a one-year player who I know at least knows how to practice at a college level? He may not be great, but I know he can at least play. He's not a zero. And it, it, the four-year mistake thing, given the scholarships are guaranteed at most places now, uh, really kind of hit home with me. So you're seeing schools be a little more cautious. But then who benefits? To me, that means we're going to have some good players push down a little bit that are going to some G5 schools if some of those G5 administrators and athletic directors say, hey, go ahead and go high schoolers. We're going to be patient with you. We're going to be patient with the build. We know you have a chance to take a higher quality of player than you normally would. Maybe that flyer that, I don't know, let's, let's pick a team here. Maybe that flyer that that North Carolina normally takes on a kid who might be like the, the 21st player in their class some years. They don't take that flyer this year because they've only signed 18 high school commits. Maybe that kid falls down to Georgia State or somebody, right? That That's very interesting to me. Now, the second part of that is w- once you realize those kids are good and, and they're on your campus, can you keep them w- with the transfer portal? But somebody's going to benefit from this, and I, I think it's going to be some G5 programs whose ADs are willing to be patient and also some FCS schools because there's definitely a little bit of a, a trickle-down effect this year with the portal going into effect. In terms of just the – the, the way that it works and the process here, do some uh, transfers end up getting added to these recruiting classes in the recruiting rankings? Uh, you know, you use the, use the example in North Carolina and just off the top of my head, uh, Ty Chandler, uh, former Tennessee running back is going to be transferring. Does he count as part of it? And is it one of these things where, you know, we're going to lock in these recruiting rankings in February, but you and I both know that we're going to be talking about the transfer portal and the movement within the transfer portal all the way through the summer, you know, that like those things are going to remain very fluid. So it, like the, for, for the fans perspective, some of them, aren't they going to be included almost within the, the meat of the recruiting rankings? So I, there's kind of a multi-part answer here. Number one, we will not be putting them into our official 24-7 sports recruiting rankings, at least for this year. Okay. There's a lot of complicated tech stuff that you have to do. You need to figure out timing, you know, tech, rollout, et cetera. It would not shock me if in the future you have high school rankings, transfer rankings, and combined you know, new player rankings, so to speak, which combines the high school and the transfers. Uh, once we get the spring transfer season over with, I am going to take a stab not in any official capacity, just in, in, in a you know, kind of a, a written piece for 24-7, at doing combined transfer and high school recruiting rankings by class to see. Now, most of your transfers are going to be three stars and two stars because there's a reason they're transferring. Most of your transfers are kind of damaged goods, at least most of them. Not all of them, but sure. you know, the vast majority. It, it's definitely the future, though. I mean, you're looking at some of these schools that are taking 
40% of their class is transfers. You, you have to address it as an industry. The, uh, and, and also one that has been able to uh, continue to provide uh, opportunities. Like I, I'm in general, I guess we haven't discussed this, uh, but I remember the, I took this from Barton when Barton said allowing the best players to see the field and find opportunities where they can play makes college football better. And I, I tend to agree with that. The, the idea that somebody who's getting buried on one roster uh, and can't see the field, that if he is good enough to be able to start and play in college football, for him to have the freedom and not feel uh, locked in or stuck to be able to go find a place where he can play, I think that that makes the product of the entire sport better. I, I agree with that. Um, my only real concern about the transfer portal is, you know, does, it, does it turn off fans of, of G5 teams? You know, and like, can they fall in love with the player as a freshman or a sophomore? With when in the back of their mind, they're like, "Man, if this guy's actually this good, he's gone. He's going to transfer to Georgia." Yeah, like now, granted, you are also going to get some, you know, some kind of bounce backs. Like, look at SMU. SMU is killing it right now because they're getting all these bounce backs from from the DFW area who have gone out to bigger schools, not been able to start or lost their jobs, or got homesick. They come back. They want to come back to Dallas. SMU takes them, and SMU knew about them because they're SMU is located in Dallas. Sure. And and they're killing it. Uh, so there, there's also that aspect where you're getting talented players who just didn't have opportunity before to come back to your schools. It, it definitely works both ways. What's uh, what, what are some of the, the handful of schools that you think have uh, the most money on the table, you know, the, the most on the line when it comes to these few remaining prospects in terms of uh, how it could break all positive And, you know, we, they could see either a, a real jump in the rankings or just even by your estimation, uh, it would solidify their class. But then also, you know, maybe if, if they don't get them all, then it's kind of a bad day for them. Sure. So I, Obviously, USC needs to close strong with with, with Rajon. Uh, I, I think Ole Miss has has some real money on the table to make a splash with Lane Kiffin if they can get Malone. I, I would say Florida is a school that has a chance to to, to move up quite a bit uh, because of, of the Arnold potential, and, and that that's an important one. I've covered this a lot in my piece uh, called the Sunshine State Scorecard, where we look at, at the ability of the big three schools in Florida uh, to keep that top talent home and and. You know, Florida has done a good job, but if they want to catch Georgia, if they want to catch Alabama, they need to do a great job of keeping talent in the state. And uh, literally, they're going up against the top two programs that read the state or that, excuse me, that raid the state uh, for, you know, for, for Arnold. So keeping him in place, that would give them a tremendous secondary class, by the way, because they already have five-star corner Jason Marshall. They already have four-star safety Corey Collier. They already have four-star safety Donovan McMillan. Um, I mean, you're talking one of the best secondary classes uh, in the entire country if they were able to get Arnold. So I would say Florida's on there. Uh, that That's that next step that UF fans want to see Dan Mullen um, uh, take. Speaking of Mullen, uh, Matt Coca, our producer, just dropped this into the chat. Did you see that? Uh, Brian Johnson off to uh, the Philadelphia Eagles. That's going to be interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see where, where Mullen goes there as a replacement. Um, now, Mullen, I believe, is their play caller, too. So right. It's not that's- like they're losing... Yeah, you. Yeah. When I mean, would you if if you were uh, an offensive coordinator who thought very highly of your own scheme and your own ability to call plays, isn't working for Dan Mullen a little bit of a turnoff? Potentially, but you, I think you also learn quite a bit uh, because mm. he like Mullen is so bright and and is a guy who clearly loves coaching. 
you know, I'm not sure he loves recruiting, but he definitely loves coaching. Also, did you see this, what Coca put in there about uh, the transfer stat from Clemson when we talked about how most transfers are damaged goods? Uh, no player who has transferred out of the Clemson program on their own accord since Swinney became the head coach has gone on to play in an NFL game. I think Mike Jones Jr. could break that. I think Mike Jones Jr. is good enough to play in the league. You know who else could? Demarcus Bowman, who was only on mm-hmm. campus for a semester and was a five-star uh, last year cycle. Uh, I mean, there's, there's a lot of things forward. about Clemson's rise that as Clemson truly makes the like the next step and and, you know we're going to talk about Clemson as is like oh yeah you thought Clemson was good winning these national championships now Clemson's got the most talented roster in Clemson history and next year they're going to have the most talented roster in Clemson history granted they will be without a generational quarterback but it does feel like some of those extra charmed wrinkles of Clemson like you're just going to have to shed them because you're going to have to leave them at the door when you take that next step into being like otherworldly levels of elite you think that hit rate might be a little bit unsustainable? Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's I, possible. I, I just think, and same thing with the assistant coaches. I mean, they had no turnover forever. And like eventually these things are going to break down and, and he's going to have to reinvent. Like Dabo Sweeney has done an incredible job of building up that program, but you're, you're going to get challenges and you're going to have to reinvent along the way. No doubt. Uh, uh, who, what are the teams you think? That Ole Miss? Um, Ole Miss, Florida, uh who else did I say? USC has USC. a nice shot there uh, to go up. Th- those those would be the ones that I'd be, you know, really looking up. Now I will say George Rooks too. He, he's a top twenty four seven guy, I, I believe, based on, on the latest update. Big time defensive tackle prospect. Michigan, Penn State, Boston College. They, they they could all all get him and use a boost there. So that that'd be pretty solid. He is Bud Elliott. You can follow him on Twitter at BudElliott3. Be sure to keep it locked into 24-7 Sports for all of your National Signing Day needs. Uh, We will also be back with a National Signing Day recap show on Wednesday night. Once all the pieces have fallen into place to recap where some of these players went, uh, the teams that benefited, and some of the biggest storylines of the day. Bud, thank you very much.